I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washhead, as it has been, as we know, a very busy past few days in Husker land as we had a special show Friday as Bill Moose announces retirement, Robin. And now here we sit mid to late week here heading into the 4th of July weekend. No athletic director yet at Nebraska. And I think the bigger question is we really don't know what direction this is going to go, how much money Nebraska's going to spend. We know Nebraska can spend a lot of money on the sex athletic director hire, um, but we don't have a great idea on the timeline. It could be any time in July. Um, I, I think Chancellor um, Green has said he'd like to get it done by July 31st. Um, So I would imagine in the next week or two, this is going to move pretty quickly, but I think it's going to be pretty quiet um, when you look at just the process of how this will play out. Yeah, that's par for the course with really uh, the last few times we've gone through this, uh, this situation, particularly with athletic directors. I mean, remember a few years ago, Bill Moose's name was not even remotely on the radar uh, when it came to potential candidates and his hiring came completely out of left field and that's because nebraska did such a good job of keeping everything under the vest to where there were no leaks uh with with bill moose and nebraska's ties so i would expect it to be uh at the same level as far as secrecy in terms of uh, how nebraska goes about this but um you know one thing ronnie green the the chancellor has said is he kind of denied the idea that the retirement the sudden retirement of bill moose was partly due because nebraska had a guy lined up he's been pretty adamant refuting that uh that rumor and so maybe there there is going to be a little bit more of a process than originally thought with this whole deal and i i just think it set off all these alarm bells what does it mean particularly for scott frost and the football program and this hire will be really judged i mean depending on who gets this job you know, people are going to try to connect the dots, read the tea leaves of what this means for the future of Scott Frost. But I think Chancellor Green and President Carter have been pretty adamant saying that Bill Moose's retirement has nothing to do with Scott Frost. But until we see who this next AD is and what he says and how he handles those questions about, you know, where he's at with with the program, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that's going to be one of those deals where uh, as time goes on, we're going to find more and more uh, information uh, about just what exactly happened here. But, you know, you look back when Bill was first hired uh, and what I don't remember exactly how old he was at the time, but it was obvious that was not going to be a long term solution. This wasn't a deal where he's going to spend the next 20 years as Nebraska's athletic director. And I think when you look at the next candidate for what nebraska wants that has to be towards the top of the list someone that's actually going to provide some stability at the top of the food chain of this athletic department to where every you know five to ten years you're not cycling in somebody else i mean that's i think probably part of uh the the issues nebraska athletics have had is that there's been so much change at leadership that uh, you know, there there hasn't just been the stability, I think, that they're looking for. So um, I don't know how that narrows down your potential list of, of candidates, but certainly I think someone that can be here for an extended period of time, I'm talking, you know, like 20 years at least, uh, that's probably going to be uh, one of the top qualities that the, this athletic department and university are going to be looking for. Yeah, you, you look at Oklahoma and Joe Castiglione, when he came in there in 98, he hired or 99, whatever it was, he hired Bob Stoops and, you know, he is still there running Oklahoma's athletic department over 20 years later. I mean, that, that's the dream. If you're in Nebraska, can you find that guy? And that guy honestly has really never existed because of the politics and the drama 
whether it's Coach Osborne, whether it's Chancellor Perlman, whether it's former players from the 95 team or players from the 97 team or players from the 71 team, there are just so many layers of politics. Mm -hmm. And I thought both um, Jim Rose on KFAB and Dirk Chatlin from the World Herald did a great job this week outlining the drama that has been around the athletic director hire at Nebraska. And I believe only one AD here has just kind of retired on his own terms. I mean, tip and you, you can say Moose retired on his own terms, but he did yeah, not retire on yeah. his own terms. I mean, <laughs> I, I think we know the answer. He basically said as much. He said, I think his plan was to ultimately retire and probably ideally was going to finish out his term, you know, go for another 18 months at least to kind of see things out and finish out his contract. But uh, you know, his quotes uh, in the very few interviews he actually did um, post-announcement uh, kind of led it to believe that the timing of this was not by his decision. And, you know, you, you think about Moose's time at Nebraska, there were always, I mean, there was even that point within his first full year, there were rumors about his future mm -hmm. as the AD and or the chancellor and the president came out with those statements. And, I, I, you know, say what you want. I mean, that that was kind of the start of the, the beginning of the end. Um, in, in some respects, I mean, that, you know, here's the guy that just hired Scott Frost and within the first six, eight months on the job, they had to come out with those statements to, uh, of support that they were sticking behind him. But it, it just didn't seem the same from that moment on um, with him and just the whole just the whole dynamic of it and, and the rumors and different things out there. Um, so th this is an important hire now mm -hmm. for Ronnie Green and Bill Moose. That was a very pressure filled hire because they 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 brought him in to fire Mike Riley yep. and hire Scott Frost. And he did those two things. The next AD to me has to be the guy that takes them, you know, the next 20 years, the next 15 years. And, and that's a dream, I know. But you've got to shoot for that guy if you can. Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a revolving door at uh, the top of your totem pole. And that's what Nebraska's had for the most part. Uh, with the amount of turnover the past decade, they've had an athletic director. And, you know, schools that do well uh, across all athletics – have that stability and have that leadership kind of driving the ship, uh, you know, the, the way that, you know, the, the Ohio States and, and those types of programs have. So, I mean, that's, that's gotta be the goal. I mean, they gotta find someone for one that is going to want to be here for a long time, but two, I think someone that can rally the fan base a little bit to where, I mean, let's face it. I mean, Nebraska is a place that there's a lot of drama around the fishbowl here and you know stuff like that's going to pop up yeah and so you got to find somebody that for one you're not going to find one guy or person that's going to please everyone but you can find someone that can at least bring together the fan base and generate support and create excitement not just for football i know obviously football is the king beast that uh needs to be the priority on everybody's list but you know, if you can get someone that can make all sports thrive and, and find ways to get Nebraska athletics, not just football, on a higher mantle than they are right now, I think that's the ultimate goal. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show as we have a full show on tap uh, this week here as Tom Deanhart is going to join me in our next segment as he'll talk about the AD and we'll, we'll reflect also on just where things were at a year ago to now, just how crazy of a year that's going to be. And Brian Munson will join me later in the show as well. We're in the recruiting dead period. Um, coaches everywhere are going to be on their vacations. I know I'm going on mine next week. Um, Scott Frost, I think, went on one here just recently. So you're, you're going to see things kind of quiet down as people recharge here. I mean, guys, we, we are less than 60 days away from the season opener, Robin. Insane. We're less than a month from Big Ten Media Days. Think about that. So where'd my summer go? Where did it go? I don't well, <laughs> and that's what happens. We we enjoyed the later spring, but it's the true. later spring kind of took away about a month of you yeah. know that April May downtime. And you gotta keep in mind that compared to what we were dealing with a year ago, we'll take it. I will take this June every day or every month of the year. I think as I yawn here, um I think about um just a year ago at this time, waking up and every morning, like, what are we going to do today? Yep. And we, we never creative. We never had a day on the site without content. I mean, I, I can proudly say like we did what we could over the pandemic. When you think about just what we provided on exactly. Oscar online. So when you get a month like this, that essentially like worked itself where there was hundreds of visitors, it seemed like, and all sorts of scheduling news and all that. I mean, that uh, that's that's prime content month for, for June, which is usually a slow dead month. And we will talk basketball scheduled, Robin, Absolutely. later in the show, as well as some final thoughts 
on the Big Ten recaps that we just completed on Husker Online. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As I mentioned off the top, we'll be joined here by Tom Deanhart of Gold and Black. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by our friends at Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill in Omaha and Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's here in Lincoln, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Also check out their neighbors next door, Tavern 180. Two of the best spots in town to watch games, uh, get all the action. Best wings in town. Tanner Sports Bar and Grill here in Lincoln, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It's great to be joined here now on the program uh, by a longtime friend of mine, Tom Deanhart uh, of Golden Black, as I mentioned. Tom, a lot to talk about here. We've had a while. We joked that a year ago at this time when we were trying to figure out the soap opera of the Big Ten. We were talking every day. I was talking to you more than my family. Um, but yeah. luckily, we haven't had a talk a lot this year. But I do want to ask you about the athletic director deal. Just from a guy afar, what was your reaction, your view, without knowing anything about Nebraska having, quote, Bill Moose retire? As we know, there's obviously more to the story there. Yeah, surprise. I think like everybody, when that news broke and um, reading the coverage of it, it sounds like, uh, you know, he, he was sort of asked to leave or told he was going to retire. So um, uh, he sounded like he was shocked, too. You know, he had an interview set up that day, I think, with ESPN. Heard he was, what, out on your uh, some Husker, uh, uh, Husker tour, I guess, recently as well, talking to, I guess, fans and whatnot. So he obviously didn't see this coming, right? So, uh, yeah, there, there, there's probably a lot to this story that I'm sure you know, you, you know about. But, again, uh, Bill Musa. Long-time figure in athletic departments. Um, did a lot of good things, I know, in Nebraska in a short period of time. But again, Sean, it, to me, it was a surprise. Yeah, and Tom, nobody really knows where Chancellor Ronnie Green is going to take this. But I'll tell you the names that just get tossed out when you're, you're just like a, a Nebraska media person or fan, just tossing out names. Uh, the names out there right now, Jamie Pollard, uh, the very successful mm-hmm. athletic director at Iowa State. Um, former Nebraska All-American, former Missouri administrator, and now Big 12 administrator, Ed Stewart, is another name that's picked up a lot of steam locally. Nebraska volleyball coach John Cook um, is, is a name internally mentioned by a lot of folk folks. And then Trev Alberts at Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, those are four names um, out there. Will they go with one of those four? It's hard to say. Um, I mean, when you look at this job, you know, who do you look at as a guy that makes sense? Yeah, you know, Ed Stewart would be a good guy, Sean. I remember when he was a linebacker at Nebraska. He talked about his resume a little bit working at Missouri. Um, again, knows obviously the Nebraska culture uh, minority. I, I think he's a guy that could do a real good job. Jamie Pollard, Sean, I, I, I'll tell you this. I cheated. I listened to you and Robin's broadcast last week, and, and Robin made some good points about <clears throat> Jamie Pollard. Do you really want to leave that comfort zone? Ames, Iowa, right now. I know the I know the connections, and I know the the chance to work in a place like Nebraska is special. But you know, you, you, I guess you don't know what you're stepping into when you when you walk into Lincoln. It's a, it's a bigger stage. The stakes are higher. The pressure is a lot more intense in Lincoln than Ames. And I tell you what, we all know Jamie's got a good thing going right now with with Mac Hamill. What's going on there at Iowa City as well? Um, and, you know, Trev Alberts, I think you talked about, he did some things at Omaha where he had to cut some sports, right? Yeah, he cut I, he I, cut football and wrestling, and he cut wrestling um, literally minutes, hours after they won the Division II National Championship. They celebrated on Saturday, and by midnight Saturday night, they found out they were being cut. So um, the wrestling community is yeah, hard. I, 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 guess, I, I guess that rankled some people, obviously. But, I, you know, you know, you know, leaders got to make tough decisions, right? 
And I, I still have to think, God, a guy like Trev Alberts walking back through the doors of Lincoln, Nebraska, boy, Butkus Award winner. I mean, what a football player. First-round draft choice. I'll never forget watching him play. Uh, boy, he would be uh, he'd be a heck of a guy to sit in that big leather chair, I think. We're talking here to Tom Deanhart uh, of Golden Black as we had on a number of topics, Tom, and Big Ten Media Days is just a few weeks away. That's hard to believe. But it's exciting in the same sense after what we went through a year ago, just thinking about where we were at this time, hoping, praying we'd get football. I remember it was about this week we got the first 10-game schedule, and we were gearing up. We were ready to go for that 10-game all-league schedule, and then it was all pulled out. But just getting this league back together in one room, I'm just curious how that's going to go. I'm curious if Kevin Warren's going to do an open season session up front, like traditionally conference commissioners have done in the past. Yeah, I think he's got to give a state of the conference uh, address on the dais there during um, during media days, July 22nd, 23rd, of course, in Indianapolis this year, Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, I guess because of COVID issues, uh, pulled out of Chicago this year. Yeah, so probably some tough questions for uh, for the commission. And yeah, Sean, you know, this time last year, you were the guy, I mean, you're about as plugged in as anybody I know. And you're the guy that sort of tipped me off and let you know, let me know that the league was thinking about going conference only. They're going to drop all the non-conference games. So off and away it went. We had a couple of iterations and finally the season unfolded. But you're right. I'm, I'm like you, Sean. I'm just happy that we have some semblance of normalcy again. Um, we don't have to wring our hands about COVID and guys getting quarantined and games even getting pulled off to begin with. So, I'm eager and excited just to see how this season unfolds. It should be a lot smoother, I hope. But, again, I'm just glad that we're going to have a relatively, looks like, normal 2021 football season. What I'll never forget about last year is just how broken down the communication was at all levels. I mean, it just felt like, you know, coaches didn't know a lot. ADs didn't know a lot. Presidents knew a ton, but they obviously didn't tell any of the athletics folks because um, they were trying to protect themselves in in this process, and you know, j- just everything. When you think about the chaos that that was, <laughs> I sure yeah. hope ESPN or somebody is going to put the thirty for thirty on this, and it probably will take a good six eight years before they air it. But it, I- I'll watch. Yeah, you know, we've, uh, I guess some of the some of the reporting that that emerged kind of kind of late, I guess, late in the fall or so, talked about how. The commissioner was keeping everybody in silos, I think was the word that was used. Um, no, nobody was talking together, I guess, on a group Zoom, if you will. Presidents weren't really communicating with all the ADs. The head coaches weren't part of the same dialogue. And I think, I think that was maybe sound like it was a big issue from the communication standpoint. It doesn't sound like it was handled very well. So it was really chaotic. A house divided. There's no other way to put the Big Ten last year. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't a healthy environment. For a conference, and I know every family is going to have its feuds, but it got awfully ugly last fall. Well, and being in the middle of an election year too, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, yeah. some of those politics got in the middle of this because of the key battleground states in the Big Ten, and and what was at stake. I mean, it it was just an ugly from all angles when you go back and think about it. I mean, I just remember they canceled the season, and the next thing you know, there are political ads saying that Donald Trump got Big Ten football canceled. <laughs> Well, then, then they took credit for getting it back, and uh, it was it was it was just crazy. You had you had parents of players holding protests at the Chicago at the Big Ten headquarters in suburban Chicago. I think we well, had some lawsuits filed. I think Nebraska was behind one of those. Not know Nebraska and Ohio State, maybe some other schools were talking about going rogue and playing games, even if the Big Ten was going to be canceled overall. So it, it was the type of scene, Sean. If you'd have told me five, ten years before. This is going to happen, and then these things would occur. I, I, I would have told you you're crazy. And Tom, lastly, I got to ask you this, kind of jokingly: <laughs> Purdue has three defensive coordinators. Did I read that right? And are they going to call for a special sports writer in the press box to be the guest fourth defensive coordinator? I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. To give, give us like the short version of why they have three defensive coordinators. First, the good news, Sean. One of the guys who won't be wearing a headset is Bob Biacco. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Biacco has left the building. Um, yeah, we've got three co-coordinators. Brad Lambert, 
Mark Hagan and Ron English, three veteran coaches. I guess the important thing to know here is Brad Lambert is going to be the guy who's making the calls on Saturday. And I think, you know, Sean, you, you've been doing this a long time. <clears throat> a lot of times titles are, are ceremonial. They're, they're sort of rewards for, for, for service. Um, I think these guys, Mark Hagan and Ron English, again, I'm sure they're going to have input when it comes to preparations and game plans, you know, Monday on Monday through Friday, maybe a little bit of input on Saturday. But again, Sean, when it's, when it's, you know, third and four, who's got to get a stop, it's going to be Brad Lambert in the press box making the call as, as to what they're going to do. So, um, yeah, definitely a strange circumstance. And on offense, Sean, they've got two coordinators too. So, who's got five coordinators. And you know what, Sean? They have a special teams coordinator. So, overall, they've got six coordinators. How about that? They lead the Big Ten in something, right? Hey, that's that's a that's an interesting dynamic. Well, Tom, I'm hoping I see you um, in Indianapolis we're going to get together at St. Elmo's Wednesday night. I don't know if you'll be there that early, but if, if you are, you've you got an open invitation to join us um, and, and get some shrimp cocktail and steak in Indianapolis. So hoping to see you um, here later next month. Hey, you know what? We'll rendezvous at some point, my friend. Now, you know, I always enjoy your guys' company. All right. Well, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, taking you home into this 4th of July weekend as... I know both Rob and I are looking forward to the nice holiday weekend here. And, uh, you know, it's preseason magazine time as well, Robin. And we always have kind of kept a June, July preseason magazine mentality at Husker Online. Um, since we've worked together, we've always tried to let you know who's coming back and what the springs look like. And, you know, we take a lot of pride in the breakdowns we do on Husker Online, talking to experts in each market, getting really some nuggets that you're not going to get in those magazines and whatnot. And and later on, we'll have our ranking the Big Ten as we look at the overall best players coming into the conference. But I want to talk about just what we broke down here um, on Nebraska's schedule. Um, you know, when you look at these 12 reviews that we've done, and, you know, you can go a lot of different places in the non-conference you know, the two that jump out to me when you just talk non-conference, number one, um, Buffalo and what they've lost with Lance Leipold, um, that went from kind of a dicey game to one that Nebraska should win, I would think. I want to say fairly handily, but you would hope fairly handily. And then Oklahoma, you know, when you look at just what we learned in our breakdown with Kerry Murdoch from Sooner Scoop, the offensive line of the Sooners, that if, if you're looking at an area for Nebraska to go at, they could have three new starters in that line, a bunch of transfer portal pieces, and that's a strength on defense for Nebraska. If they're going to have a chance at Norman, it could be up front in that game. So, you know, as we look at just some of the things that we've broken down in non-conference, those are some of the things that jumped out to me, Robin. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously with Buffalo, well, I guess we can start there. Uh, you know, they have a new head coach, Maurice Linguist, who spent a cup of coffee at uh, Michigan as their co-defensive coordinator. Uh, prior to that, he's with the Dallas Cowboys. As a secondary coach, and you know that's been a big overhaul. You know when Lance Leopold left, he brought not only his entire coaching staff, but uh, a good deal of a very veteran Buffalo team that had legitimate sights set on a, a MAC title and, and maybe beyond that. Uh, you know after a really impressive uh, past couple of years, so that the dynamic of that game definitely changed. And so you know they they have some. Uh, some players coming back, you know, they, they got their running back. Kevin Marks is one of the better backs in college football a year ago. Uh, but, you know, the, that game certainly took a, a turn from what you would expect going into it. And then obviously, you know, like you mentioned, Oklahoma, uh, that's about as dynamic as it gets. Going on the road in a game like that, nationally televised with Heisman uh, Trophy the anniversary, front for Heisman Trophy and all that stuff. So that's about uh, as much of a lion's den as you're going to possibly get. But uh, it sounds like... You know, that Buffalo game should give them a good look uh, and a nice tune-up coming off that Illinois game, certainly, uh, and then have Nebraska probably as well-prepared for that challenge in Norman as you could get. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk the reviews we did here over the course of the spring. And, you know, Robin, 
one team that really kind of surprised me with just how down they might end up being. I don't want to say down, but man, Northwestern. I mean, they they return essentially the fewest starters of any team in the Power Five. I want to say it's like five starters return for the Wildcats. I mean, it, it if Pat Fitzgerald gets them to seven or eight wins, that's going to be a remarkable year. Now they do have one of the easier schedules, so they they got a break on the crossover draws. Um, they don't have to play any of the major brands in the East. Um, so they have a schedule that's at least favorable. But Northwestern, um, when I look at all the teams we talked to, that's one that was in the title game a year ago. Wow. And you look at them now, they lose a ton. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's it's one of those deals where they were so senior heavy a year ago, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why they were so good. That's why they were able to kind of weather the storm that was last season, you know, it's because they uh, had the, the perfect recipe for it. They ran the ball well, they were efficient passing the football, and then defensively they were as good as any team in the country. It was crazy. You go back to that Nebraska game, that was the, the Adrian Martinez got benched that game, right? And turns out Northwestern's defense was pretty good. So throwing a pick and uh, not exactly lighting they it up with numbers. They had two legit NFL guys in that second Exactly, and one of the you know best linebackers in the country and Patty Fisher, and I mean, they were loaded. And so now they have to fi- find a way to replace all that. And that's that's definitely going to be a challenge. But it almost seems like when you don't think Northwestern's going to be good, Pat Fitzgerald has them good. So try not to underestimate them. But, you know, sticking in the Big Ten West, Illinois as well. I mean, that's the first game on the schedule. And they're going through quite a bit of change as well with Brett Bielema taking over. But what's funny is, you know, it's a lot of change. But there's a lot of continuity there as well. I'm pretty sure they have, at least at the time we wrote our preview, 22 super seniors coming back from last season. That's insane. Like, I think that's the most in the country. It's like they're a BYU roster. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be an old veteran group that understands what it takes to play at the Big Ten level. So there's going to be some schematic adjustments. And, you know, they're going to have more of a a power offense feel from the spread look they've had the past few years. Uh, But... You know, that's that's a team that right out of the gates, they're going to be physical. And Brett Bielaba has had a tough football team everywhere he's gone. And with the veteran leadership they have coming back, that's a game Nebraska better be ready day one uh, in, in order to avoid an, another 0-1 start. You're talking, we're talking Big Ten teams here uh, with Robin Washett. How about Purdue? We just heard from Tom Deanhart, three defensive coordinators um, after the train wreck Bob Diaco hire, which... Jeff Brom could have paid me as a consultant, and I would have probably done it for very little money, and I would have told him not to hire Bob Diaco. I mean, like, didn't they play against Bob Diaco and saw how bad that defense was? I mean, yeah, so that's their third defensive coordinator in three years. And so, again, another tumultuous offseason for the Boilermakers on that side of the ball. And, you know, it's crazy that the shine has kind of worn off Jeff Brom. Remember, he was the darling coming off that big upset against Ohio State on national College television. game day was there. Yeah, the Rondell Moore game. And uh, since then, they've really kind of fallen off a ledge a little bit. And so they they got some work to do. Uh, you know, they bring back, you know, a couple you – know, David Bell and, you know, George Karloftis on the defensive end. So, I mean, they've, they've still got some star power, but – you know, they've, they've got some answers that they need to find this offseason on defense with another kind of revamp of what they want to be because it doesn't matter how many good receivers you have coming back or whatever it is. If you can't stop anybody, which Purdue was one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten last year, it will not matter. So they need to make significant improvements in order to have any chance of competing in the West this year. We're talking Big Ten here with Robin Washett. Michigan, too. You, you look at the Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh. As we know, it's not gone to plan there for him. There are a ton of holes and questions for Harbaugh on this team. And it, it seems like they're anywhere from a five to eight win team. I, I, I don't see Michigan, in my opinion, being an elite you know, nine to 11 win team this year. I mean, I think they're going to probably hover five, five to eight range. Yeah. And well, it's funny. We talked with uh, Chris Ballas, who's with the Wolverine, the rivals Michigan site. And, uh, you know, he, he said seven and five was his guess. And I think a lot of that has to do with that. They have a relatively favorable non-conference schedule, but uh, you know, that's, a relatively low bar when you consider the the standards at Michigan, which, you know, they expect to be competing for championships. So it kind of shows you just where things uh, are right now with Jim Harbaugh. And it's funny, you know, Chris made some, some comparisons between Michigan and Nebraska where, you know, the former, you know, legendary player comes back to coach and has all this excitement about taking the program to new heights. And 
it just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, Michigan's flirted with getting there, but, uh, you know, especially when it comes to competing with Ohio State in the East, they've fallen well short. And so now you're starting to get that uh, people looking at their watches a little bit as to when this thing is finally going to turn the corner. So there's some pressure building in Ann Arbor for sure. Uh, and, you know, they they have, I think, a, a decent foundation, um, especially on defense with, you know, some of the linemen they have coming back. But, you know, quarterback is a real issue for them. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, just can that offense kind of take it to the next level to be able to keep up with the Ohio State of the world? And finally, Robin, in the West, Iowa and Wisconsin, I mean, they just kind of get the benefit of the doubt nod. Everyone's like, yep, 9 to 11 wins, both teams you look at both those teams, though. I think Wisconsin, to me, is the clear favorite in the West. When you look at just who we've we've talked to everybody and got a feel, I think they're going to be hard to not pick the favorite. I mean, they're a nine, ten, eleven win team for sure, in my opinion. And Iowa, I, I still have my doubts about Petrus, their quarterback, yep. and they they lose obviously Smith, the receiver, Smith Marset, and um, and Brandon Smith. So they're the, top two wide receivers. They're going to be young at receiver. They've uh, they've got Goodson, an All Big Ten running back. I mean, they, they they've got some holes on the O line though too, well, and D line. I mean, they lost two first team All Big Ten players from last year on the defensive line, and then three starters, including both tackles and an All Conference guard on the offense. So everyone is just kind of giving them the Kurt Ferentz bump, you know, that mm-hmm. it's just going to happen. And I'll be curious how this Iowa team looks early on, especially against Iowa State. Yeah, and well, that's what the thing is. They're going to learn right out of the gates. They open with Indiana, and so Indiana's no slouch with the way Tom Allen's got that thing going. And then they're playing, uh, you know, Matt Campbell in Iowa State. And I didn't realize this until the interview. Matt Campbell has never beaten Kirk Ferentz. He's 0-5 all time against Ferentz. And so uh, this is a top-10 Iowa State team that, I mean, that rivalry doesn't need any uh, – further ammunition than what already has but that's got to be in the back of everyone uh, with the cyclones mind that uh, you know this is an Iowa team that could be a little bit vulnerable especially early on with some of the questions they have in the trenches when I was good they're good on the lines and right now that's probably the biggest questions on their roster all right when we come back lots to get to now on Nebraska basketball as Robin and I are going to break down the schedule we now know the entire non-conference slate. It's one of the more impressive schedules Nebraska's played in years. We'll talk to Robin about the non-conference schedule next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to this pre-4th of July edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett now talking Nebraska basketball as the schedule is nearly complete. Obviously, we don't know the conference slate as they wait and really piece that together. We do know, Robin, at least who their single play games are, though, in the league right now, and then their double play games. Right, yeah, all the opponents are out there. It's just a matter of when and, uh, yeah, when those games are going to be played because we know where. It's just a matter of when. A lot of it, too, they they really try to piece the schedule around, like, NFL Sundays and, you know, markets of play. You know, one. I mean, they almost wait until, like, the NFL schedules get dropped to make sure Wisconsin or, you know, Especially with the playoffs. Yeah, in the playoffs for sure. So there's a lot of questions, um, you know, with the with the conference schedule where those games will be laid out. But final big one of the bigger pieces was revealed, and, and you've known I know about this and reported it on Tunnel Talk and Husker Online maybe almost a month ago that Nebraska yeah, was going to play Auburn in Atlanta inside the Hawks Arena. And what's the name of the arena? Uh, State Farm Arena. So tell us a little bit more. What is this deal? Why are they going to Atlanta to play Auburn? So this is, I mean, nothing official as of recording time has come out yet, but it's been reported by you know myself and, and John Rothstein that uh, it's going to be part of a, uh, a quadruple header uh, in in uh, in Atlanta with you know several other high major teams. Uh, you know, so Nebraska gets paired with Auburn, which. You know, a lot of people have them as a preseason top 25 team. Uh, you know, they're going to be uh, a formidable challenge right out of the gate. But that's the great thing about these neutral site games is you get the reward for going away from home to play a team like this. But you also get the, 
I guess, luxury of not risking a home court loss. And so you kind of get the reward of, of, you know, going on the road, but without having to actually go on the road in a true road environment. So Nebraska gets one of those types of deals, uh, get to play in a cool arena in Atlanta, which if you look at the way Nebraska has been recruiting and the areas of the country that they've been hitting the hardest, that East Coast is prime real estate. So now they're going to go to Atlanta to play Auburn in a nationally televised game, and they're going to go to Raleigh to play North Carolina State in the big ACC Big Ten Challenge in a nationally televised game. Uh, so prime recruiting um, exposure right there in itself, while also bolstering your non-conference schedule, uh, that now brings it to four high majors uh, that are confirmed along with uh, the rivalry game with Creighton, that's part of the Gavit Games uh, matchup with the, the Big East. And then uh, Kansas State, who is coming to Lincoln this year in a three-game series. It was going to be here, and then Manhattan next year, and Kansas then City, in Kansas City. Is that going to be re- retroly moved forward to another yeah, year? Yeah, so it's, the third, it's going to be the third meeting. It was supposed to be the first bless this past season, but obviously COVID threw that out the window. So they're just starting it up with this year in Lincoln, then in Manhattan next year, and then in 20 what, 324, uh, it's going to be in Kansas City. So that non-conference schedule really is shaping up nicely to where you've got legitimate opponents on your slate. And then uh, this hasn't officially been confirmed yet, but everything I'm hearing is that uh, as many as like the first seven games of the schedule are going to be at PBA. So you're talking about... (laughs) Counting the exhibition game against Colorado. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to give Nebraska a great opportunity to find its rhythm at home in front of its crowd for the first time keep in mind none of these players on the roster uh, have played in front of uh, a home nebraska crowd uh, because of last year so this is gonna be a new experience for them and it's going to provide a lot of excitement and momentum around the program to where when they do go to auburn and play creighton and, and all these big games in december they're going to be battle tested and have a lot of experience under their belt yeah, Robin, this Colorado exhibition game, um, what is this? Why are they doing this? And it's going to be different. Like, I know back in the day, you'd get these exhibitions. They were closed door, yeah. tight-lipped. You had to kind of use your sources source to find out who won. And, and even then, it was kind of hard to make much out of it. But this will be a real, like, 20-minute clock referee game, right? Yeah, it's a full-blown game. And so it's this essentially takes the place of that closed scrimmage so before like originally it was the secret scrimmage where yeah like there was the totally locked down there was no reporting of it whatever but then over the years like more and more like nebraska wrote a press release about one of those when they played iowa state a few years back so like then it became a closed scrimmage it wasn't a secret it was closed well now i think they're just going to scrap that idea and open the gates and actually have a exhibition game against a high major opponent that uh obviously works for the betterment of, of both Nebraska and Colorado and teams that participate in this while also raising a bunch of money for great causes. There's going to be three different charities benefiting COVID relief uh, that all ticket sales um, from that game are going to go towards. And I mean, it's going to be uh, the first time Nebraska basketball fans are going to be able to see their team play in Pinnacle Bank Arena since 2019. So that's insane. And so that's going to be a great, great kickoff tip off to the season because Colorado, you know, they're an NCAA tournament team from a year ago. They just hauled in a top 15 recruiting class. And so you want to talk about getting tested right away. This is going to be a great opportunity for Fred Hoiberg's like, squad. You get a sense like what Iowa is going to do in a game like this, or have you heard it like Kansas? I would imagine more and more, this has become the norm, you know, kind of like the it's like extra the neutral, revenue. Yeah. It's kind of like the neutral site thing was started off as kind of a, you know, here and there type thing. Now everybody's doing it. I'd imagine, yeah, it's, it's extra revenue. It goes to a great cause. It's a great perk for the fans, and it gets your team tested to actually play in a real game environment with zero consequence to your win-loss record. So uh, it's a win-win-win for everybody. And you look back, remember back a few years ago, Nebraska actually did one of these when they went down to Mississippi State uh, during, I think it was right after the the hurricane. It was streamed. Went down there. Yeah, they streamed online. And oh, that was it, a it bad was, Feed, but. Yeah, it was a really minimal, like time, kind of thrown together at the last minute deal. But I mean, that was a great opportunity for that team to play a high major opponent and you know, kind of get a, a taste, get their toes in the water a little bit before jumping into the season. I wonder if there'll be. I mean, I wonder if Nebraska will air this on just like a stream, probably that BTN Plus, or there'll I be a imagine. way. Yeah, it'd be like a student broadcast or something like that. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like. 
it's again, it's, a, it's an exposure event. It's another opportunity to get yourself out there. And that's on know, Halloween. Yep. Halloween at uh, noon, noon central time. All 10. right. I, I, every mom and dad listening right now was like, yes. well, yeah, there's not a five o'clock on Halloween Sunday night I, tip. It's you a, got plenty of time to yes. get out at like five or six and trick or treat. So that's good. Prime window. Halloween's a Sunday this year. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be coming off the heels are we, of the Nebraska. Are we game. on the? Are we a home football game that weekend or road? I think we're home. Yeah, I I want to say it's home, and it is. Hold on, I got it right here. October thirty thirtieth against Purdue. So they, that that's smart because here's what's going to happen: if you're coming in from out of town, games at eleven or two thirty, you stay the night in Lincoln, you check out of your hotel, put your stuff in the car, you go over to PBA, you watch the game. Well, yeah, that, and then how about official visitors coming to town? You come in on Friday, go to the football game on Saturday, and then check out the exhibition game on Sunday and get mm, on a they'll flight. They'll be gone. Uh, they get them out of here. The, the The football official visitors are gone. No, I'm talking about basketball. Oh, are they talking about I mean, football official visitors? No, I'm talking about basketball. That I'm sure that they would coordinate a few of those guys. To stick around. Even in maybe some guys that can drive to the game. How about that? There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Um you know, w- just with what's going on in basketball. I mean, I, I think this is the, you know, Husker baseball kind of captivated the fan base. I really think Fred Hoiberg and his crew have something working right now, almost to what we saw with basketball baseball this past year. Yeah, there's a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement, and on paper, uh, a lot of reasons to, to buy into it. But, you know, it is Nebraska basketball. And so I fully understand fans that are going to take a very cautious approach to, as opposed to, Diving head first and, you know, beer bong in the Kool-Aid right now. They're coming out swinging with that schedule. It's going to be a great schedule um, to see it all put together on paper. When we come back, I'll close the show with Brian Munson as we'll talk recruiting next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to this 4th of July pre-edition of the Husker Online Show. Hopefully you're getting away for the holiday. And I know one guy that's getting ready to go on a uh, Clark Griswold-type voyage across <laughs> America is uh, Husker Online's Brian Munson. You're, you and the, the Munson crew, um, you're in Kearney. Um, and and you're, you're about ready to make the big trek out to Yellowstone here soon, right? Yeah, and it definitely feels like we're going to Wally World. We've been through it all. Canceled Airbnb, you know, getting the car ready, trying to get – my camera bag I ordered today was too small for my setup. I just – it's a complete and total cluster, but we're working through it, and tomorrow is my last day at, at, at the regular job for a while, so I'm, uh, I'm excited to look forward to, to getting out and doing some things in June – I think you and I are still kind of like decompressing from Ugh. our June and covering Huskers rec- recruiting. So I think we're all due for a little bit of time away. <laughs> One thing I've learned, no matter how big your car is on a trip like that, it's not big enough. Like as far as storage <laughs> goes. Yeah. The Pathfinder is, is going to be full. The Pathfinder was full coming here. The Pathfinder will be, will be fuller going out. And I wished that it was bigger. I wish we would have brought our, our rear kind of setup thing where I can kind of like uh, strap things down to the outside. That would have been a lot better, but I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Well, Brian, let's get right into it. Nebraska had just one visitor in this weekend. I want to get to him first. Um, Kind of a surprise name, at least in our sense, Uh, Jaden Magnum, um, you know, he wasn't on a lot of our stuff early on, but came in a four-star athlete and man, he looks the part physically sound like he had a great visit, but I think, He's going to run into the same problem. A lot of people that have come to Lincoln have run into. They don't. They may not be able to have a spot for this guy. It sounds like. Well, and I think that the I think one of the the predicaments also with him is that if you if you watch his film, I would uh, I would slot him a lot easier uh, to wide receiver. Um, so then you know that obviously you've got Page and you've got Jones that are already there. So you've got two guys in the class already. Uh, and so you really can't take another wide receiver yet, but that's where he would really make the most sense. And I think Nebraska might be getting ready to get it their first DB commitment this weekend, which we'll talk about here shortly. And I'm just not sure he's a great fit in that back end. And I'm thinking that Nebraska's got their eyes on 
a few more guys to kind of take before they kind of hope things quiet down and then kind of get to August when they hope to kind of maybe reignite and get some things going again. Yeah, and one of those guys, Brian, we just talked about, uh, James Mons third is going to be making uh, an announcement on 4th of July. Do we know what time we could set down our drinks and our turn off our grill to be ready for the James Mon the third announcement as the running joke in the recruiting industry. There's a special place in the heart of recruiting workers for 4th of July and Christmas commits. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any uh, specific time yet. I had reached out to him actually to see what the, uh, what the plan was. And he's typically really good about getting back to me. Um, really nice kid on the phone too. I might have to just get, give him a phone call to make sure that somebody is standing by when, when he decides to go ahead and, and I, I presumably, you know, uh, go ahead and, and make the phone call to Nebraska. So get your popcorn ready, Nebraska fans. The, the legacy is coming home to Lincoln. Yeah, I think we both have put in our future cast um, for him to Nebraska. He visited Wisconsin, but I think this is one that everybody expects to go the Big Reds way. Uh, Brian, another group that we're still trying to get our hands on is offensive line. We know the names. Um yeah, you have uh, Pastor out of Colorado and um, a number of other guys. There's probably three guys that we think could go on that offensive line board, but they still haven't, um, and it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I, I think Pastor is really interesting because you're not going to find him on our official visitor list, but he's been in Nebraska twice. He was one of the very first guys that they brought in that first weekend after Applegate worked out on the first, so I think it was the – the fourth or the eighth or whatever it was that they worked out. Um, so you, you've got Pastor not going to show up on an official visitor list, but he's been in Nebraska twice. You've got Makula, who was one of the last guys that um, that had just visited Nebraska, loved his trip. Uh, have not read anything about his uh, his subsequent trip to, to Duke that, that followed the weekend after. So uh, he, he basically said, like, look, I'm going back to Colorado. As soon as that's done with, and I'm going to check things out and kind of chop things up with my parents and figure this thing out. And then you have Valen Erickson, and obviously we're not mentioning Ashton Craig because he's already come off the board to, to Notre Dame, but Valen Erickson's gone incredibly quiet. Um, he was supposedly planning on going to Knoxville last weekend. Did not happen. Uh, you and I, yeah, you and I worked so hard to kind of confirm that, and I think we confirmed that it did not happen. Um, and then it just seemed like he's just kind of waiting around for maybe the right time just to go ahead and try to jump into the class. But if he, if he, if he waits this thing out too long, uh, I got a feeling that there's two guys in Colorado that could jump in ahead of him. Yeah. And we think that number is two, maybe three, but I think we, we, we've tried to lean on the aggressive end of class size, but we've learned that it's going to be probably on the conservative on every number we project right now. When we say two or three, it probably means two right now. That's right. I, I think offensive line now is down to two. I think that everybody has made the comment on our boards when it comes to the stories that we've been writing their direct quotes from the players that say the the uh, Austin and, and um, other coaches see a guy that can say, hey, we're going to start you out at offensive tackle, but we really want you to learn all five spots. I, I think that a lot of the, the, the pitch so far this spring has been versatility. We've heard it with Tyler Martin about working inside and outside as a linebacker. We've heard it with all the defensive backs. It talked about with Travis Fisher wanting all the guys to basically play all the positions. I don't think this is by coincidence. I think that this is by design. They're looking for very versatile guys that could play potentially multiple spots when it comes to their position grouping. So uh, the more versatile you are, the better value you basically have. To Nebraska, so like a guy like Jalen Marshall, when you start looking at a defensive lineman, you are looking at a guy that could play a four, a four-I, a three, trunk out to a five, do some different things when it comes to moving inside and outside, that increases his value because he kind of he kind of checks the box in multiple spots. Yeah, let's talk on that defensive line as we talk recruiting here in our final segment with Husker Online's Brian Munson. And you know, Nebraska did miss out on one guy this week on the defensive line, Nico uh, Davi, Davi Lear. I can't even get his name off my tongue. Uh, committed to Arkansas, home, hometown kid. It looked like it was probably Arkansas or Oklahoma. He did visit Nebraska. 
But, Brian, as you mentioned, Marshall is kind of at the top of that defensive line board for Nebraska, at least the DN side. But you still kind of wonder where that's going if they don't get Marshall. I would totally agree with that. So, I mean, there were some recent posts talking about how people had thought that things were moving south for Jalen Marshall. I just got the phone with Jalen Marshall right before this podcast, and he confirmed that he was on a Zoom call today, Tuesday, with Nebraska, and they are still very much in the picture. Um, I will tell you that I think that there's uh, a lot of the family, you know, really enjoyed that trip to Nebraska because not only was he taking part in the recruiting activities, but also his brother was active in his own athletics while he was up there in Lincoln, and I think they really got a great chance to kind of see things and feel things out in a lot of different ways that you just wouldn't only get from being a recruit. Um, so yeah, but if, if you miss though on Marshall, uh, you also hosted Hayden Schwartz. Now Hayden Schwartz also gone very quiet, <laughs> has not come back and, re- and recircled back to anybody to talk about anything. And he was extremely busy. Like he was headed to all these, uh, private workouts, even like at the university of Texas, he was headed down there to kind of do, to do a workout. Um, but then you, you really get into this, this predicament where, you know, with Nico off the board, you're talking about maybe bringing Chance Carter in, and Chance is more of like a hybrid outside linebacker, defensive end kind of edge guy. And and I just saw him on social media. I think he was at Missouri, and he was loving every minute of it. So I, I think that that's going to be a hard sell for him as well to kind of get Nebraska interested there. So you're now kind of looking outside of that group, and that's that's getting – it's getting pretty lean beyond those three guys that we're talking about right now. Well, it's going to be interesting to follow. As we mentioned, James Mons III will be announcing uh, on Twitter on July 4th. So make sure you are logged on, have your notifications on, as you'll get a little news one way or the other on 4th of July. But, Brian, happy 4th to you and your family. Uh, I know I speak for everyone and all of our uh, subscribers, thank you for all the hard work you've put in this month of June, and you definitely deserve this vacation as you guys uh, get some time away on the road. Well, I'll definitely share some pictures, and and hopefully we'll have the family truckster out there and about, and, and Grandma doesn't pass away in the car and all that good stuff. But no, we're we're looking forward to it. It's it's been a long time coming. We're looking forward to spending some time with Trevor. I know you got some time coming up yourself, so enjoy yourself as well, and everybody out there. Have a happy and safe fourth. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.